1: Hey there, Surf Splendor listeners. This is your host David Scales. Thanks for tuning in, downloading—I should say. I guess there's a not really a tuner any longer, but thanks for downloading. And um, today I got together with Scott Bass to bring you another episode of Surf News, and uh, it was good. It's always good to get together with Scott. I don't know if you probably aren't aware of this but scott and i really the only time we ever get to catch up is during the show we see each other for two minutes before and maybe 10 minutes after but don't really see each other throughout the week so um always good to get together and do the show and talk surf and um and so there's that i'll lead into that in a second i want to say thanks for um listening to last week's episode with tony roberts On uh, surf photography and filmmaking. I really enjoyed my time with Tony. And um, I didn't fully elaborate, but he and I were together on a surf trip. And that's where we recorded that interview. But the trip itself is going to be another episode called Anatomy of a Surf Trip. And I've been working on that episode. And I plan to get that out uh, next week on Monday. That will be the next episode of Surf Splendor. But There's a million different audio files and uh, a lot of post-production editing and cutting that needs to be done and that is being done, but um, bear with me if it's not up on Monday. My goal is to have it up on Monday, but if it's not there Monday, you know, hopefully Tuesday, just a lot of work going into that one, But, um, but I think it'll be good and it'll be a little bit different style episode than we've done in the past and hopefully we'll do it again in the future, you know, always good to go on surf trips. And I know that we have a lot of new listeners now. The numbers have been growing a lot, a lot of new subscribers. So welcome to the show. Um, but I'd like to also say that every all of our past shows are archived on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. They're also archived in Stitcher and in iTunes. Everything is free. I think there's 25 episodes. So please go back and listen to past episodes. Um, the first one we did was with Chris Cote. Uh, we did a photography episode with Aaron Chang and Morgan Mawson, um, and then five summer stories and a bunch of other episodes in between that are really worth listening to. Sean Thompson episode I really enjoyed doing. So um, take your time, 25 hours of content right there for you, and um, and enjoy. And feel free to send feedback on social media at Surf Splendor or on our website each show has its own page with a comment section so you can comment about whatever we're discussing on the show. Always appreciate reading that stuff. All right, so without further ado, here is Surf News with Scott Bass. Enjoy.
2: Hey, welcome everybody down the line. Surf Talk Radio. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. I don't know if you're familiar, David, but that was a catchphrase of the old show we used to say a lot so a lot of times you'll see emails that come to us and it says yeah
1: guy you know what's funny is i have friends that use that phrase and i i just thought it was a thing i didn't know that's where it generated from or well started from uh, I, I don't want to take full credit for the yeah guy just uh, phenomenon that.
2: well <laughs> I, I know that in in high school in in north san diego county it was sort of uh we thought it was sort of proprietary to us but interesting it, it could
1: be that it is you know reached further but uh, yeah, Interesting. got to yeah. chase, trace, trace the genesis of that. Yeah. Do some research. Yeah,
2: <laughs> some research, right? And yeah, I guess that speaks to uh, some of the emails we got. Um, let me just say, uh, Scott Bass here, former editor, online editor, uh, editorial director for Surfer Magazine, and now the uh, producer and creator of the Boardroom Surfboard Show, and
1: um, my diligent co-host, David Scales. I have um, a podcast called Surf Splendor. So that's surfsplendorpodcast.com if you want to check that out. Scott and I simulcast this show. So, um, so yeah, teaming up to bring our two podcasts together. Yeah, it's February 18th,
2: 2014. We're a couple of weeks away from the first WCT event on the ASP and um, a lot of other you know, stuff on the agenda.
1: Where are we at right we now, We are Scott?
2: broadcasting live from the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center here in beautiful San Clemente, if you haven't had a chance to come by, say hi to Barry Hahn, the curator here, um, buy him lunch, I'm sure he's hungry, and uh, <laughs> come check out all the surfboards and all the cool stuff here, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a treasure trove, and of, uh, the it, Smithsonian of surf culture, if it, you will.
1: It is, and we're actually in a different room today, um, so there might be a little bit more echo for the listeners, but um, it might actually work better too, who knows. Yeah. Test it out. We will see. So, dude, what yeah. you been up to since we last got together? Did you surf today? Or? Um,
2: yeah, I've been surfing a little bit.
1: And um, do you guys have waves down here today? You know, there's some little fun little waves down okay. in San Diego. Yeah, there's a bit more swell up in Orange County today, Huntington Beach. So that was kind of nice. Yeah, you know, I've been um, I've been sort of. <clears throat>
2: I don't know. I've been having a hard time going surfing lately. Why is that? And I, I'm not sure why. I've been trying to figure it out. I'm not sure if it's like an aging thing or I just don't have that surf stoke. It could be that we had such great waves for those two weeks about, right? And yeah. then it's kind of been crappy again. It kind of went back to not just good, but just
1: crappy, you so know, small and cold. And You're just talking about like a lack of motivation. Yeah, some malaise has overcome me. It's the middle of winter. It's cold. You know? And crappy. It's hard to get out of bed in the morning? Yeah. Do you have uh, external stressors in your life, Scott, that you want to talk about? Um,
2: I always have external stressors, but... Um, Would that prevent you from surfing, though? Usually it wouldn't. Okay. You know, but, but it sort of brings me to the first topic that I want to talk about, which is, um, I don't know if you know Jason Bort, but he's a great writer, um, a great surfer, uh, a guy who, um, he wrote uh, one of Kelly Slater's biographies. Pipe Dreams? Right. Yeah, exactly, and, um, and and he's an all-around good guy, father, you know, husband, uh, all of those things, right? And, right. And, I, and as I mentioned, a great surfer. Well, he's got a great blog. Uh, it's, I think it's it's How Surfing Ruined My Life, I believe, is the name of his blog, but if you just Google Jason Bort's blog. Or um, go to
1: downthelineradio.com, perhaps. Right.
2: Yeah, we'll have it on there. We'll yeah. have it on downthelineradio.com. I'm sure you'll have it on Surf Splendor as a link. Um, but... You know, at the beginning of 2014, Jason Bort basically said, you know what, for this year, I'm going to quit surfing. You know, like surfing has been such a big part of my identity, of who I am, of the de- it is it has had a major role in the decisions I make in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, I think Jason's sort of, you know, I don't know how old he is. I want to say he's mid-40s or early 40s, uh, maybe late 30s, something like that. And, I, you know, he's sort of at that place where he's like, You know what? I'm just going to take the year off. I'm not going to paddle out. I'm not going to catch a wave. I'm not going to ride a wave. I'm going to see what this is all about because every decision, basically, you know, since age 12 has been based on: is it good for my surfing? Is it is it going to benefit me as a surfer? And I really relate to some of the stuff that that he's talking about. Some of these issues that he's bringing up. You know, has surfing ruined our life? You know, is it an addiction, an affliction? At what point? You know, for instance, I would love to live, I think, in Idaho. I, I don't know why, I just think Idaho's probably beautiful. You know, I've read about it, I've people have told me about the Coeur d'Alene mountain range. I will never live in Idaho
1: because no. <laughs> I'm a surfer. <laughs> totally.
2: And that's that's a great example of, you know. Yeah. Surf affliction. Yeah. You know, where we
1: go on vacation, um, Totally where well, we went to college okay so let me ask you a couple questions related because I haven't actually read Jason's blog I just learned about it right now um, the title is how surfing ruined my life so that the assumption would be that he's unhappy with the position in life that he's in unless it's just a, a gimmicky title which well it, I think I think what it is is he I think
2: he he really wants to see if he can go a year like this is like a true, you know,
1: right, but you wouldn't, addiction type thing. You wouldn't commit to taking a year off something unless it had negative consequence in your life, right? Like if you're just loving it, like Slater's not going to take a year off surfing. He's loving it. He's making money. He's having a great time. Surfing yeah, pipe, I, I you think know?
2: The, tr- the title's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Okay, But but I do think that he is sort of examining it the way we just described. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, what can I do this? Every decision's been made based on this. Is this really who I am? Am I really... Um, Jason Bort, the surfer, or am I Jason Bort, the father, the husband, the son? Am I Scott Bass? Am I David Scales, the human? Or am I? do I so self-identify yeah. that um, that it's taking away from other aspects that I don't even know about? Like, for instance, this is silly. And, you know, my wife is always like, let's go to the Grand Canyon. Well, for some reason, I have an aversion to going to the Grand Canyon. I bet if I went to the Grand Canyon, I would absolutely love the Grand Canyon. Totally. I'm sure I would. I'm sure it would be filled with you know, spiritual awareness in an incredible place and, and you know, and and quite frankly, I'm using that as a bit of a, an extreme example because I would love, I would go to the Grand Canyon. Yeah,
1: today. I recommend but, it.
2: But in the past, I would be like, I'm not spending my two weeks or one week in the Grand Canyon. I only get two weeks
1: of vacation. And imagine if swell hit while you were gone. Oh, you'd be would, so pissed. I, it would ruin my trip to be the Grand miserable.
2: Canyon. So um, that's sort of an example. And I think Jason's just... Just throwing it out there. And, and it's based on there's a, a pretty good uh, article written by Brad Malekian in one of the Surfers Journals about these elders, elder state, statesmen, and, and not even elder statesmen, middle aged guys that just quit surfing, that just stop surfing, that sure. just like turn it over and yeah. let go of it, you know? And I, I find that fascinating. I find the concept of letting go of this persona, letting go of just, it, it sounds quite liberating. You know, it sounds like freeing,
1: you know, it does. And I, I like it and I'm going to follow it and I'm really intrigued by it. But I also think that everybody has a different personality type, obviously. And some people go extreme one way and then replace that habit with, they give that up and then replace it with karate, you know, or uh, whatever it happens to be. So I have friends, really close friends, actually, who surf five times more than I do. And they have a very singular focus in their life. And that is surfing. And I'm more kind of measured and middle of the road. And I I really enjoy surfing. And it's a big part of my life, both in the water and outside the water in my work. But I'm really into wine. And I'm really into music. And I'm really into film. And I'm really into these other things that I can't relate to those people on that level. They have no interest in those things. But I feel like I'm Fairly well-rounded, you know what I mean? And and to give surfing up, comp- it's like I I would never want to be an alcoholic because I'd have to give up wine completely. I'd rather just keep it in moderation so I can enjoy it, you know what I mean, yeah. for the next 50 years or whatever. Right. So the same thing kind of goes with surfing. I don't want it to get to that point where I would have to give it up to make this extreme um, measure – to define that to myself and maybe he'll come out of the year and have more clarity and be like oh okay i need to put it in balance and only surf three days a week or whatever it is but i don't want to get to the point where i need to make that leap you know yeah um but but i mean maybe i'm i'm a young younger dude and that might happen to me in 10 years that's what i would suggest to you
2: that i think that um look at some point we all stop surfing You know, whatever age it is, you know, like there's guys that are that work here at this surfing museum that don't surf anymore that were legendary surfers back in the day. You know, like icons of the industry, if you will. And um, age is a big part of it, you know. And um, it's funny, you know, I've just been sort of wondering about it. You know, it was always a scary idea, like the idea, like I mean. When you're a kid, you're like, I'm going to surf forever, you know, totally. and that's ingrained in me. And then to have this, um, all of a sudden to not have a pull towards, you know, frankly, it's been really crowded. I'm, I'm, I'm getting that's to that tough. place too, where yeah. I'm kind of, I used to do battle and I'm just kind of sick of doing battle. I'm totally. too old to do battle. I mean, there's just 75, 22 year old D list pro surfer wannabes that are just out there <laughs> scrambling. And yeah. I used to put on the helmet and go do battle. And. And I'm just kind of sick of
1: doing battle, you know? And that sort of puts a hamper on it. It really does. Yeah, no, I've kind of gotten to the point as well where I'm incredibly picky about when I surf. You know, it's like, tide needs to be just so, needs to be just enough swell, the wind can't be whatever, water temperature, too many guys out. And then I find myself in this tiny pigeonhole where now I'm only going to surf a couple days a week. In Puerto Rico. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But, but, um, I don't know, I think that that's okay too. I think that you taking time off surfing, when I've done that, you come back and you, you feel refreshed, you know, oftentimes you enjoy it more. So I wouldn't read too much into it, but, uh, I hear you. I've gone through that,
2: you know? Yeah. Um, you know, you, you brought up something really interesting to me too, which is it, like, for instance, this morning, I paddled out at dawn this morning. I yeah. thought there was going to be waves. I, I woke up, I've been up since four thirty, stretching, getting ready to go surfing this morning. And I paddle out at the local little reef there in front where I surf. And it's just me and three guys or two guys. And it's perfect because it's not that great. But there's it's the perfect crowd, you know. But within 45 minutes or so, there was 15 guys. And this is this type of spot that it's just one takeoff zone. Mm-hmm. You know? It's not spread out. And I just thought to myself, I, you know, I just, I just don't want to do battle. So I paddled down to some crappy walled-off sandbar, you know. Yeah. Which, and... And it just kind of got me thinking, you know, like, uh, you know, maybe, um, you know, anyway, it'll be interesting to see how Jason Bort does. I do know this. Yeah. That he's already struggling with it. When you read his blog, you'll see that, you know, the waves have been all-time best ever on the East Coast. It's been bitterly cold and snowy, but... But the form and the quality of the waves um, have been really, really good. And so, you know, he's sort of basically saying, look, I'm taking one for the team. Wouldn't you know it, the year I take off is the best year ever. You guys all owe me one, you know?
1: Yeah, but... I, again, I haven't read his thing, but I'm thinking if you're going to give something up, you might want to go cold turkey and stop checking the surfline cams. I'd
2: well, be like, I think he, li- I mean, he lives in Virginia beach. I believe he's
1: right there. It's kind of like you not looking at the ocean, you know, you just, yeah, but you know, you don't want to give up alcohol and then like drink near beer or, or yeah. And then just go to the bar and like watch everybody else drinking. You got to <laughs> just like distance yourself completely. You know what I mean? You know what they say? Non-alcoholic beers for non-alcoholics. Um, I think one thing that you just brought up, though, that reminded me of a theme that kind of presents itself every once in a while that we never really talk about is going surfing to, you know, as therapy, let's say. That's kind of part of the purpose of it in your daily life. But then once you get out there, you start applying all the you start negotiating with the ocean. And it's like, well, now there's 15 guys out. So I'm going to go down here. And, like, oh, well, now this is a walled up sandbar. So now I'm not happy here. And then you end up coming in from the experience frustrated. And it's like that was completely contradictory to the reason why I went out here. And then, of course, it makes it harder to get motivated to go out next time. It's like I'm well, wondering. This
2: exactly what you described happened to me this morning. That, yeah, cheer, yeah.
1: As you cheer. explained it, that's kind of what I was thinking.
2: And, um, and and I found myself. I literally paddled like 200 yards down yeah. to this other sandbar, hoping there was a, a, a you know a good bar down there. It was walled off. I paddled back to this peak with these 15. Now there's 20 guys. And now you know? you're extra pissed from paddling. But but during the paddle back, I found myself saying, "Look, I need to be. I need to have some gratitude here. Like yeah. this is still pretty fascinating. Yeah. This is still really beautiful, you know." And I found myself kind of doing a gratitude list, kind of going, "You know what? This is." no one else gets there you know if you were in Atlanta you wish you were doing this right now totally if you were at home on the couch you'd wish you were doing this yeah and and for sure you know plus you know sort of a side note when you get to be middle 40s you have to stay in the water just to stay in shape totally so I was kind of thinking that you know I was kind of going well I'm paddling that's good that I'm paddling you know and then I started to question I sincerely was thinking you know what These stand-up paddle boarders sure look like they're having fun. And that's okay, too. I might might have to go and get my stand-up paddle board and try that
1: out again. The fact that you... That's
2: blasphemous, quite
1: frankly. Well, the fact that you just... I enjoy it. The fact that you just said, I have to go get my stand-up paddle proves you already own one, and you've done this in the past, so you're not that far off.
2: Oh, well, if you don't... I'm not sure if you know my stand-up paddle history. No, I don't. Well...
1: I know you're Look, into at it. At but... the
2: risk of sound of
1: boasting, or jeopardizing um, your credibility on this show. Well,
2: <laughs> no, well, I don't. I don't have any credibility, okay. so there's nothing to jeopardize. But um, I was one of the you know very first stand up paddleboarders in California. I was doing it before there was an industry. Before it was called supping. Right. I was you know ordering wooden paddles from british columbia from some outrigger canoe kayak guy and he was going are you sure you want an 80 inch paddle i've never made one this long before you know and um so i have a i have a pretty deep um, connection with it yeah and i totally understand it you know, yeah and i get why it's fun i mean you're constantly moving yeah and you're above the water and you're looking down at everything and mm-hmm. um there's a lot of upside to it. Totally, you know what I mean to me, it was just got boring. The actual yeah. riding of the wave on the thing, yeah, yeah. it was just like, really, how many bottom turns can I do? You know, right. I, mean, I would like to. At this point, you know. It, plus, I found it limiting as far as the performance dance aspect. Yeah, you know, there's no, you don't get to kind of throw your mojo into it, your hand movements and stuff. You're, you're sort of, you know, you've got this thing in your hand, and it sort of limits the way you express yourself on the wave and the things are so thick
1: it's just simply not sensitive yeah there's a time and a place for it obviously yeah. so today might have been that day but you're right in terms of the gratitude thing like just being how many how many amazing sunrises have you seen from the ocean's, you know, vantage point, kind of. Here's that, the thing:
2: the sunrises are always better when the waves are good.
1: <laughs> they are, but they're better than not experiencing them at all. I you know, know what I mean? I and know. sunsets, and so of course, when you kind of reset, let go of that frustration, and just like, man, I'm in the water, watching the sunrise. This is not that bad, you yeah. know. So, but it's hard to reset when you're in that mood. I actually, the reason why I related to it was because I had a little bit of that this morning too. Yeah, where I just kind of had to reset and just go, okay. Get a wave, do a turn, and like you'll be fine, you know. And yeah. and so, it's tough. What do you got? What's next? Um, uh, there's a couple things I just noticed in the last 48 hours, like a bunch of cross, like surf pro surfers in crossover media. That's just kind of come about that I just thought we don't need to, you know, talk about it at length, but are, it's worth mentioning. Anastasia Ashley's in the new Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Did you see that? No, I I have not seen that. Dude, just landed last night late. It's (laughs) insane. And she's pretty much naked. Oh, my God. Like, not showing uh, anything below the waist, but she's showing nipples. Hmm. And uh, Stab Magazine posted it. I'll post a link to it. But I just thought that was pretty... um, that's mainstream, you know. Bethany Hamilton <laughs> to go a completely different direction. Bethany Hamilton spoke at the National Prayer Breakfast this I past saw week. I saw that. Alongside, I post, yeah, yeah. yeah, alongside President Obama. Yeah. So that's huge mainstream. Yeah. Um. um what? Oh yeah. Golf Digest yeah. magazine did a feature about pro surfers who are into golf kelly slater is the most notable yeah. he's got like a two handicap yeah um julian wilson's not far behind him uh dusty Payne is super into it even the young grom kanoa igarashi hangs yeah. with slater so he's on the golf course a lot so i thought that was interesting they devoted a couple pages to that um shane yeah the the, the you know
2: the sort of the tie in there is you know Benji Weatherly caddied when he when the tour was in Hawaii this year for uh, Adam Scott was it Adam Scott it yeah was. Adam Scott um, who I want to say won the Masters I think he last did. Year. yeah um, so Benji got and they got some play I actually I'm a big golf fan and yeah I, I watched the golf channel and they did a lot of interviews with Benji and Adam and they interviewed Kelly on the course who came out to support both of those guys and and I think Adam Scott surfs. Oh yeah. So that's the tie he in. He does for sure. And look, golf is a huge thing. Like I know I, I, I know more surfers that golf and surfers that don't golf that yeah. are really into it. It's sort of like the two hardest sports in the world. Totally. It
1: makes sense that we would uh, you know try to conquer both. And the two that you're really competing against yourself in, and also that both those sports, I think, on a deeper level represent a lot of metaphor for life. And life's challenges and struggles and kind of the release of tension and just kind of letting you know all those yeah, things. Yeah, there's a
2: relate. lot of Zen qualities in both of them that you have to to do them well. You sort of need to almost be outside of yourself. Yes, um, and of course, then there's the outdoors aspect, right? I totally. Mean, you're, you're in
1: beautiful places generally in both situations, and um, the other notable crossover. Shane Dorian on the cover of South Pacific Bowhunter magazine. <laughs> Are you a subscriber? Uh yeah, I'm super into bow hunting in Huntington Beach, dude. Wow. <laughs> no, but but still, that's something that he's super into and he travels to Colorado and elsewhere to actually go participate. So That's cool. Yeah, really weird stuff, but Ted, cool, you know. Ted
2: Nugent. Maybe, you know,
1: he can hook up with Ted Nugent. Probably has. I saw Keala Kenley actually did a Ted talk. Oh yeah? Did you see that? I'm um, not sure if I saw that or not. So that was super crossover, you know? Yeah, Strange, yeah. but cool. Yeah. yeah, good stuff, you know?
2: Um, I guess um, the next thing on my list here is um, because it's the Olympics where we've got Sochi happening, a um, couple things. Um, first, this morning on Facebook, Sal Masakela found a surfer in Sochi, a Russian guy. Did you happen to see this? I saw your post of it. Yeah. Yeah. So he found this guy that's a hardcore surfer that makes his own surfboards in Russia by like finding container foam and cutting them with a hacksaw and who knows, finding some Cold War resin and mixing it up and making his own boards, making fins out of wood. And um, now he's getting boards, you know, from, you know, more, I, I don't know contemporary means, I guess. But We're getting blanks, at least. Is he getting bored? too? Not, I, I saw... I'm not sure. Okay. You know, I, but but the good news is, is that Sal found this guy, or this guy found Sal. Sal's a hardcore surfer, and um, they're going to go surfing. Yeah. I think, you know, today or something. And um, Sal's got a friend for life and vice versa,
1: and I, I found that to be sort of neat. I know? liked it a lot. Yeah. I hope Sal's documenting it. I I'm would've... sure he is. I'm sure we'll see more soon on yeah. Facebook. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know what... I mean who knows? Are there waves? Yes. Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes, never,
1: obviously. What yeah, I mean, am I like out of the loop with Sochi? Well, I, mean, yeah, I would culture? assume there
2: is. Well if there's, there's been, only one guy. Well Sal posted photos of the Black Sea at Sochi. There's there's oh, windswell. Really? There's all these jetties. And okay. He posted photos when he landed about, you know, two weeks ago at the uh, airport there that there's photos, you know, nice
1: jetty waves, windswell waves. Hmm. Um, I guess Maybe I this follow. guy
2: knows the secret spots. You know? Dude,
1: could you imagine if you actually were good at surfing and had that spot all to yourself or that place all to yourself? Yeah. It would be a dreamland. Yeah. You'd be pissed at Sal for showing up and blowing it up. You might be. <laughs> but I guess I don't follow Sal. Maybe I should because I, I didn't see any of that stuff.
2: Well, the other Olympic thing is, uh, and um, I also found this on Jason Bort's site, but I found it to be real timely. You know, And we've talked about it before, surfing in the Olympics. You know? Um, is this a good idea, David? My question to you, surfing in the Olympics, yes or no? I,
1: I'm a little bit on the fence, but leaning towards the no side. Um, I think that it is so subjective and so hard to quantify in terms of scoring, and we've really tried to, and we have varying degrees of success depending on the event and the style of waves. Uh, but I just... I think that there's too many inconsistent variables with the surf spots for example that it'd it'd be really hard to give the same legitimacy to the scoring and to the judging of it that you can give to swimming let's say or hockey you know that's my main concern um you know imagine this you've got this wave
2: pool there would obviously have to be wave pools so you've got this real artificial setting and on top of that you're gonna have like McDonald's you know and, and just these massive corporate brands kind of putting their stamp on it and um, and the whole the, the whole competitive arena is relatively um, artificial and especially in relation to what you and I as surfers experience every day right uh, you know there's no way they're going to be able to mimic the the, just the you know the randomness of of the ocean and all that comes with it you know the landscape and everything right um so from the competitive aspect of it i don't really care and it would be kind of a bummer because what you could anticipate is a bunch of flyweights just punting airs in some wave pool Mm -hmm. and it might it almost sounds monotonous you know you're going to basically get it's basically going to be skateboarding or the snowboard half pipe or whatever you know what i mean and um so that part of it, I'm sort of like whatever. I I, I don't care either way. I don't know if yeah. I would be like drawn to watch it. Maybe initially, just as a, you know, just just to check it out, right? But but my thing on it is is look, you're gonna have 85 countries that have um, that are you know gonna be have Olympic surf teams, or at least you have to have a certain amount of countries to even get a chance to get a foot in the door with the Olympics. And I think right now the ISA has like 75 countries that have Olympic surfing programs, right? And so my feeling, and this might be naive and it might be ignorant, and I've been told as such, as much already, but if you have 85 countries that have that are fielding surfing teams, that means you have um, a lot of power players, a lot of power brokers, a lot of influential decision makers within each country that are for surfing. And, um, I've spoken with Fernando Aguirre, the main, the ISA. It's his vision to get uh, surfing into the Olympics, and, and he he lives and breathes it every day. That's what right. his purpose is. And and he's he's spoken to me about you know meeting really influential heads of state who's who's who are into surfing or whose wife loves the idea of going to Tahiti and going to Hawaii and loves the surf lifestyle, and they have children that love it and. Um, And I think the Prince of Monaco likes to surf, you know, and so my feeling is if you have all of these major decision makers um, who have an interest in the idea of surfing and therefore um, by um, just natural proxy have a have an interest in the ocean. Um, I see it as a plus for the healing and the health and the awareness of the oceans of the world if surfing's in the Olympics.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, the naysayers, to my opinion, have said, "Look, has it helped climbing or has it helped the alpine sports at all? You know, is it or you know, or is yeah. it just a big money grab? Greed, greed, greed. More, more surfers. Not cool. Um, bad idea. Just leave it to us. We don't want them involved anyway." There's a lot of negatives to my opinion, but I just, I, and again, maybe I'm naive, but the big 30,000 foot level, you've got more surfers in the world. That's got to be good for the health of the
0: oceans.
1: I don't know. I, I, that might be the case. I wouldn't necessarily leap to that conclusion. There's probably arguments against it. You presented a couple. I think if surfing's in the Olympics, it doesn't affect my personal surfing experience, so I'm not really going to like fight it, you know? Yeah. But I also think that we shouldn't bring it into the Olympics for those reasons that you presented. If those are benefits that we get from it, then that'd be great. But look, if we have to engineer a wave pool to make this happen, then I feel like that's a little bit forced. And if we then do that and the environment is so sterile and so like not even related to what the real experience is, then what are we doing it for in the first place? We're only doing it to achieve these other goals that you just presented of, well, let's bring ocean awareness, blah, blah, blah. I don't know that it's bringing ocean awareness. It's bringing chlorinated wave pool awareness now because it's such a removed thing. Yeah, it's yeah. tangentially related, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and
2: that's that's so definitely the argument against the, it, when it, I presented it.
1: I just feel like if it if the need for surfing in the Olympics grew organically out of, look, we're all doing this thing and this group of people that's participating in this thing needs a world format to contend on and prove who is the best... Who's the superior country? Cool, let's do it in the Olympics. But if it's just like, hey, we love doing this, and then there's this other organization that maybe we can go and get involved in and cash in on and bring in mainstream sponsors and do all this other stuff, I feel like that's kind of a far uh, gap you know, or chasm to cross. It's not organic.
2: And I, I think the other argument um, sort of against what I proposed um, is, look, can't we get ocean awareness another way? Oh, like, is yeah. that is that really the only way? And and again, m- my thing is, look, we're g- we're going to have major heads of state involved in in this on some level, and and to have all these decision makers all of a sudden have to go, oh, but my son surfs, and all these people surf, and the, what about the surf team? And they, you know, I and again, I know it's a leap. I know I'm probably naive. I just feel like. More surfers in the world is better for the health of the oceans. Yeah. And if, you know, but again, maybe I'm wrong.
1: If that wave pool comes around that presents like an actual real opportunity to have contestable surfing in it, maybe I'll reconsider, you know? But that's not even here yet. So it's just, I don't know. I think Mm -hmm. we're putting the cart before the horse in a lot of different ways with that topic. Yeah. Um, Did you see um, that the LA Times live broadcasted an interview with Paul Speaker and Courtney Conlog and Jesse Miley-Dyer talking about some big news that they were going to drop about the Women's World Tour. I did, yeah. Did you watch it? I didn't
2: watch it, no, but I did see the the link
1: and, you know, I read some of it online. And so. I thought it was really cool that they did that. It was like a 25-minute <laughs> interview with those three people and, um, And it was really a promotional thing for the ASP Women's World Tour. Paul Speaker wanted to release some news, partnered up with the LA Times, and let's live stream this thing. And then they also posted it on YouTube after. So I'll post a link to it on surfsplendorpodcast.com, and so you can watch it. But basically, um, Speaker had a couple main objectives when – When Zozi took over the ASP and they want to roll out those objectives in 2014, the first thing he said is he wants the Women's World Tour to have equality with the men's tour. And they raised the prize money for the women in each event from $110,000 to $250,000, which is equivalent to the men's prize purse. Um, the second thing that he mentioned is that they want to increase the quality of the waves that the women are riding. So um, they included Honolulu Bay as the final stop of the the tour. Yeah. And trestles they included. Yeah. So lowers, they'll be able to surf. Um, another detail is just like five out of the ten events are going to be combined and simultaneously run with the men's events. Yeah so um the other five will just be i think like the trestles event maybe it was or the france event like the men will come oh no fiji the men will come in for one or two weeks and then the women will show up the week after that and surf so it won't run simultaneously it'll run kind of consecutively right. so that you don't have to compete for the ideal windows of the day and all that kind of stuff okay cool so those are some details about that um well, I, I have some questions about it for you, but do you have any thoughts on well, it? Well, let me then? tell you
2: this, the, and you may know this already, but the the, the founding uh, family of the Los Angeles Times are surfers. I forget their name right now. It starts with the want to say like Chandler or something, but um, the you know the patriarch of the LA Times, his son was a big surfer in in the fifties and sixties. In fact, they've donated some funds to to the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center where we're broadcasting wow. from now. And they were good friends with Hobie Alter, I okay. believe. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that there's a tie-in there with the LA Times and yeah. surfing and pro-surfing. And I know Paul Speaker is smart enough to, to know this. And, sure. And he probably knows this family. Is it the Chandlers? I forget. I don't but know. But we could yeah. Google it. But anyway. Um, secondly, as you know, uh, for the women's event... Uh, that tour used to end at Honolulu Bay. Right. And it was the Roxy Pro, I believe, or the Billabong Pro or whatever. I don't they, remember. It used to end there, and um, it hasn't for a few, three, you know, two, three, five years, whatever it's sure. been. So that's a welcome, uh, you know, and, and that's a great thing. Yeah,
1: I'd love to see that. My question for you that, I mean, it was just a glaring question as I was watching this. The first thing I thought is, his first statement, "We want we want equality with the men's tour. My question is, do we need equality? Well, are they e- are, are the females equivalent surfers? Here's the deal: the, the re- what Paul Speaker in the ASP
2: sees is they see a lot of money on the women's side of things from sponsors. They have people that want to give money and support women surfing. So the ASP needs to then go, you know, they need to show that their product that they're proud of their product basically, and that's what they're saying. They're saying, you know what, we are proud of women surfing. Let's prove it by making it as equal equal to the men's side of things, believe me, there is way more money out there, uh, marketing dollars for the women's side of things than there is for the men's side of things. There's, it, I think you're going to see a ton of cash come in from random non-endemic sponsors like, um, I don't know. Think you know? Give me a female product. Revlon. All of them. Yeah. They, I mean, because you know what, that women was... buy things. You and I don't buy crap. Right we go to the thrift store or we you know borrow it from our buddy. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is is that women spend money. And so women's markets are valuable. Paul Speaker knows this. This has been his thing from day one. Not to mention I want to say his wife or somebody else's wife is on the board and she's a big surfer. And then they all have daughters who right. are big like fans of Stephanie Gilmore.
1: So That's there's what he like, mentioned. there's a
2: bunch of um, tie in. Well, but the big factor here, the number
1: one The elephant in the room is there's tons of dough there and they need to attack it. So when I say do they deserve equality, I don't mean that they should be lesser than the males. I'm fully accepting and aware of the fact that they're probably more marketable than the males. And if they have a million-dollar prize purse because they're generating that much income – and the men only have a quarter of a million, I'm fully okay with that. Like I'm on board to make money where you can make money. Let the markets speak. Absolutely, Yeah. but I also, but I don't think that like to to, um, word it as equality sounds very archaic to me and very like backwards thinking, like we're not equals. We have very different body types if it's equal then why aren't the women ending at pipeline like the men are you know what i mean like but i don't need the women to end at pipeline i don't need to see the girls go out there and get smashed like i'd rather see them surf honolulu bay it's much more entertaining and appealing so i just don't think equality should be the goal of the asp and maybe you need to keep it pc and just say the right thing and and play to the masses but One of the things that Speaker said in relation to what you just, I mean, he basically said what you just said. He said um, that there's been a tremendous amount of pressure on the surf brands to carry the salaries of the competitors, which I think is really worth discussing. Like, Basically, if you're a pro surfer and you're not supported by Quicksilver, Billabong, Hurley, Rip Curl, or O'Neill, then you're not making a living. And the ASP prize money isn't enough to help you make a living if you're traveling the world competing for that. So he was saying, you know, we need to diversify in the women's world. The women's surfing, there's a wider variety of brands who could benefit from sponsoring women. He used Revlon as an example, Procter & Gamble as an example. He said another key factor there is just the diversity in the women's surfing, the diversity in the marketing of the women. You have Alana Blanchard on one end, and now Anastasia Ashley in Sports Illustrated, you know, essentially marketing their butt in a g-string, and that has certain appeal. Sally Fitzgibbons, on the other hand, is running marathons and marketing her um, competitive prowess. You know what I mean? So those are very different things that represent
2: equally as beautiful too. Totally, but they
1: represent something different to different corporate sponsors. Yeah. So that's what speakers point was, was like, hey, we can hit so many different targets with these girls that the men can't necessarily do, yeah. you know, and and I think that's a great point, and I, um, it'll be interesting. I think that money will start coming in, if not this year, shortly thereafter, and we'll see that transition happen really quickly.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. It is it is an exciting time if you're a, a professional woman surfer. Totally. You know what I mean? And, and I do, I look at it like golf, you know, like, look, there's probably you know i don't know 400 500 guys trying to qualify for every event each week you know and it gets whittled down to a certain amount that and and of those you know maybe the top 20 get you know product and money you know right. maybe only five of them are making a salary you know so i think that's sort of the um, the model or the paradigm that speaker would love to see you know like let's not have the brands have to bear the burden right you know what i mean like let the asp tour If you do good, you get paid. If you don't do good, guess what? Back to the gas station or whatever, you know? Um, And I, I, you know, that's sort of, I I like the idea of that.
1: Well, that's a good segue. You said you had other ASP um, talk, right? Well, I was on their site. um,
2: I I was just kind of randomly checking in with them, and I saw that they had a fantasy surfer uh, game, you know, like, like, Surfer Magazine and Grind Media has their fantasysurfer.com. Well, ASP has ASP Fantasy Surf, I think it is, right? Surfing. And, surfing, okay. So it's basically the same, you know, it's, it's a fantasy league. Like CBS has theirs and ESPN has theirs. And um, so I, I'm interested to see how they're going to kind of compare, you know. Um, did you log on to it? I did. did I, it I, 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 I fielded a team. I field a team on both. Um, okay. Fantasy Surfer and Fantasy Surfing, okay. ASPs. And um, we'll see how it goes, you know. Um, there was yeah. a few glitches, um, but nothing that didn't, after a reload, that didn't sure work um, itself out.
1: When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs.
0: Go to com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
1: So I saw that too, and I didn't log on yet, but I figured I'd mention it to you since I know you're super into it, and I'm into it too. Um, but most importantly that I saw on the ASP thing was, did you see Lewis Samuel's power rankings? No. Oh my gosh, dude. So you know Lewis Samuels, oh, yeah. of him, he, he's a big hater. Of, he's
2: written some horrible stuff. About. I've read them. <laughs> yeah. he, I thought they were spot on. I've never met on. the guy, but he, no, you know, he's, he doesn't. Uh, he's not a big fan.
1: No, he's the, well, he's a hater in general. That's his cup of tea, you know. Yeah, but uh, but let me backtrack for the listeners. Lewis Samuels has done a lot of writing for different publications in the surf world, but most notably, he had a blog called Post Surf, which I think is still. Online. It, I mean, he only ran it for less than a year, published on it for less than a year, but it still exists on the internet and you could find it. I think it's post surf.com probably. But basically, it, he was just super provocative. Just write really oftentimes hateful things about whatever was going on in current surf news, you know, Laird Hamilton and just bash Laird, post a picture of Laird with his wife and then clown on his wife, you know, just pretty mean stuff. Said some uh, less than nice things about our friend Scott Bass here. Um, Any public figure, he would, you know, write about them. But I would also say that he's a really, really good and entertaining writer. And so he reintroduced the power rankings to Surfline at some point, which was all uh, like Derek Hind, did that at Surfer in the 80s. Yeah. And so Lewis Samuels kind of reintroduced that but spewed a lot of vitriol but honestly spoke a lot of truth as well about surfers like um, Ben Dunn and Luke Stedman at that time who he viewed as very vanilla and very bland and said it outright. I guess Lewis got punched out once or twice by some of these guys and there was a lot of um, anger and animosity against him. And so... That was all very controversial back in the day, but it's all kind of you know gone away. And he's had some jobs writing for Surfer, but everything that he's put out kind of in the mainstream publications are more uh, vanilla and not nearly as provocative. So I was shocked when I logged on to ASP the ASP website, and that was their banner advertisement was power rankings for 2014 by Lewis Samuels. was like what that's a bold move on the ASP's part who I thought was trying to appeal to the masses and go middle of the road not hire this guy so I read it and it was part one basically it was the back half of the the tour and it was going to be part two would then be the front half of the tour so I read through part one and it was awesome like really well written super on the money Not holding back any truth at all. Just said it like it is. But again, really well written. That's the thing. Like I'm not into just you know following the wannabe Dane Reynolds on Twitter. That's just pure vitriol and not necessarily a lot of insight. You know, I mean, it is pretty entertaining. I still follow him. But like Lewis Samuels, there's a a lot of um, brilliance to his writing as well. So, anyways. I was super entertained by it, and um, I logged back onto it yesterday to prepare for today's show, and it's been taken down by the ASP. <laughs> the, the, the link is no longer active. Oh, somebody's got that content somewhere. It's worth some
2: money now. I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna dig a little bit deeper. I don't know why I didn't I'm have sure the foresight somebody... to screenshot that stuff. Yeah, somebody has. Yeah, I, I commented on Lewis Samuel's Instagram when he advertised that um, that they had published it. I went back on last night, commented on there, and I'm like, hey, dude, what's up? Where did that go? Like, send me the scoop, you know? But I've reached out to him for an interview in the past and never applied, so I doubt we'll hear anything. I would think that if they are trying to silence him, he's a guy who's not gonna be silenced. And so um, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out and speaks his mind about it. And I hope he does. You know? Yeah,
2: you know, um, I agree. Lewis is a great writer. There's no doubt about it. It's it's unfortunate um, for guys like me and for Laird and for Paul Nade at Billabong. He, Lewis, unfortunately, um, it's kind of sad that he had to be so mean spirited. Correct. Um, but you know what? He got his name out there. Like you know, it, it's a, it was a little bit like sophomoric, and it's um, you know, it was just it was just too much hate. You know, and um, and and it's sad because he does he's better than that is the thing you know what I mean, but um, I know he's not a big fan of mine. I've never met him. I don't know anything about him. Um, I've reached out to him and he didn't reach back.
1: You know. Were and, you personally offended by the? Things oh that yeah, the I mean, really?
2: He's, he's written stuff about me that if, will affect the way you know if I need to go get a job or something. You know, like you think people, it'll affect it, it? Well, if people Google your name when you're yeah, you know, stuff comes up and it's it's you know. I don't yeah. know if it will or it won't. It's not a positive thing. That, you know, he, but it's so over the top, That's, too, that it's, like, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek almost. Well, you've got to also realize you've arrived. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, once you... Once well, that's you, actually a great point, because I don't even think I'm worthy of... Like, I'm not in that category. Right. Like, I don't know why he's attacking me. I know he, he wrote some stuff that I'm a horrible writer, that I'm, like, the worst writer ever or whatever. And quite frankly, I, there's probably some truth to that. I don't ever claim to be some great yeah. surf writer. I worked at Surfer Magazine, and I got to travel all over the world and go surfing, and it was great. And, oh, by the way, I had some deadlines, you know? And, and um, you know, maybe it's on me that I didn't write as... as um, as well, or, or maybe as thoroughly, or I, I'm the first one to tell you, yeah, I, I winged it a lot, yeah. you know? Um, but I, you know, again, Lewis is a great writer and, uh, I know he's very entertaining. I know a lot of people enjoy l- reading him. I've enjoyed r- uh, reading his stuff and, um, it'll be cool to see, I you know, I'd like to see what he wrote. I'm bummed I missed it.
1: I, I am too. I really, I think that, um, in regards to his writing, like when he was doing post-surf, if you're doing a blog that's updated regularly, you're producing a lot of content, and therefore it's not going to be as well edited, you know, as if you wrote a book and spent years writing it, and so I feel like a lot of his writing on there was really sloppy and lazy, and it would be one every five posts that I actually thought had value. The other ones were just mean, so... You could say the same thing about him being a crappy writer, but this this power rankings that he did was edited, it was clearly refined and it wasn't just mean for the sake of being mean. It was pointing out flaws that we've noticed in certain people surfing, you know, and he but he does it so articulately that it was entertaining. But I go ahead. I think
2: it's interesting that he's been punched out a few times. I didn't know about that. Yeah, I, didn't know I that.
1: I read it, it doesn't
2: surprise me. I'm, mean, I'm sure to... he's pissed off more than Laird Hamilton.
1: It was an Australian surfer. I can't remember who it was. Just like a mid-tier, like regular foot kind of you know power surfer dude. Right. But whatever. I, I did think of some things, though, as I was um, last night kind of going through this, and I'd like to just go through them with you. Um, I think that there's – it's super important to have – candid smart writing and surfing and there's a glut of it a really disproportionate glut for all the content that surf media puts out there's a disproportionate glut of quality quality writing i think that if there's any good writers who do work for the mainstream publications we wouldn't know it because the mainstream publications won't publish their good writing Right, right you know i think that The Surfer's Journal puts out quality writing, but what what I'm really looking for is um, something that is current, that's like a current commentary on surf news that is truthful and provocative. I think Twitter has a little bit of that. I think that What Youth and maybe Later Magazine or Monster Children has attempted it and have Varying levels of success. I think Stab Magazine does an okay job with it. Certainly, they've they've had really shining examples of it. But...
2: Well, they're all, you know, they're all eventually sort of, um, you know, biting the hand that feeds them. I mean...
1: But we need... And again... I agree.
2: I'm just yeah. saying that, that like, if you look at Sports Illustrated, when they write something provocative, say about, like, Richie Incognito, the Miami Dolphin bully guy, right? Right. Well, none of Richie Incognito's... Um, people that pay Richie Cognito are paying ad dollars right. to Sports Illustrated. Exactly. Right? I mean, you and I have talked about this. And, and therein lies the problem is that um, you can't lash out at endemic um, either athletes or brands and run an endemic marketing vehicle known as a surf magazine.
1: And we recognize that now, and I'm not faulting the magazines for not running
2: I I think guys. that I think that Lewis Samuels would be an incredible broadcaster on the like he's the kind of cutting edge now I don't know if if the athletes would approve of him because he's not like a yeah. world champion and he hasn't been in but he's the type of guy he's got that kind of Mackinro. Um, you know, edginess to yeah. him, that, that he would be good if he is, you know, it's on. And there are guys out there like Brad Gerlach's sort of one that's, sure. that, that won't, you know, bite his tongue. That will basically
1: yeah. tell it like it is. And that's what the ASP needs to foster. I think it um, it's yet to emerge like this conscientious platform that's truly supports and cultivates quality, current, Provocative writing, you know. Well, who's
2: going to spot? I mean, who's going to sponsor? Well, that's look the at
1: thing. well uh, speakers talking about Revlon, Procter and Gamble, and all that kind of stuff coming in and sponsoring people. Maybe that's who it ends up becoming. Is outside source. Let's put it this way: if you're getting a million views a month on your website, people will sponsor. Will will pay for advertising. Yeah, and we don't need it to be quicksilver we don't need it to be hurley but yeah
2: but in the past if you wrote something negative about quicksilver or hurley or one of their riders you'd get a call and they'd be like take that down or i'm pulling my advertising so if you do that now with revlon or procter and gamble i mean the very first article is going to be can you believe revlon's in the surf space how lame <laughs> and you know what i mean that's going to be that's going to be the that, chant for years
1: that's a good point that could present itself but um, i think matt One person that's worth noting in terms of being a quality writer is Matt Warshaw and what he's done with the Encyclopedia of Surfing, the book, and the dot-com. But his style of writing is historical writing. You know, it's not really what I'm looking for, but he's worth noting. But he actually did an interview with Art Brewer this week, the photographer. And and basically, Art talked about, one of the things he talked about was the sport being sold out, quote-unquote. And he talked about how A quality photo used to have value, but now quality photos are a dime a dozen in your Instagram feed. And they are quality photos. Amazing imagery, perfectly lit, perfectly composed, um, but very few have meaningful impact. He says that Laird's Millennium Wave that we all remember um, was the last surf photo that really impacted surfing and... I mean, that's arguable. I think, I think that's an
2: interesting insight.
1: I, I, I agree. I would, as I think on that now,
2: I, I've, I think that there's a lot of validity to that. I think that, that image being the last. I'm trying to think of another one since then that makes me go, wow. Yeah, I can't what's think. What's the of- other image? You know, so I'm thinking, like, is there a Greg Long photo? Or like, the, you see so many big wave photos these days there are a dime a dozen.
1: That's what he was saying, and I think he has a point, and surf content... Can you think of another
2: photo? No, no. Since the Laird wave, I'm trying to think of another photo that makes me go, wow. No, I can't.
1: Um, He's right with photography, but I think in general, surf content has become rapid fire and homogenized and it's infinitely less satisfying than it once was, you well, know? Well, there's just
2: so much of it. Yeah, See, exactly. That's the problem, right? I mean... Totally. It, if we only got one magazine in the mailbox every month, it would just be so much
1: more grand and But I think that robust. my point is that I think the solution or a possible solution to that yes. is having... Writing could be the answer. You know what I mean? Like having... A current... That's the one
2: thing that's missing. We have tons of great imagery. We have tons of great videos. We have tons of great athletes. We have all the great brands. We have incredible surf spots. We have travel. We have shitty writing. Totally.
1: And a block on any good writing that comes up. Bravo to the ASP for hiring Chad
2: Smith, Lewis Samuels, this guy should start own mag.
1: Bravo <laughs> to, Lu- to the ASP for hiring Lewis Samuels, but shame on them for firing him. You know what Did I mean? Did you read I, any of it? Was I it read just, all of it. Was it, was it, vit- was it vitriolic or, it was, is that a word? Did I say that right? It probably is. It, it was truthful. It wasn't as mean was as- it, the Was things. there malice? Not, not for the sake of malice. There was pointing out obvious flaws in in B. Derbitch's, you know, repertoire obvious blandness in his surfing, but it wasn't. And I, I honestly, the reason why I went back last night was to pull quotes because I remember reading Alejo Muniz's write up and going, I've thought that all along and it's never, I've never actually been able to articulate it man, I'm going to steal this line and talk about it during the show because it's so well-articulated. And it is... Who's it's, Alejo Muniz? Right. <laughs> it's critical, and it's, but it's it's truthful. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's okay. You yeah. can be constructively critic, criticizing. Yeah. So, I think the
2: problem is, is that, and, and, it, and it might be the problem, is that it's one thing if it comes from John McEnroe or from um, Johnny Miller or from somebody that's been at the top of the game, um, and it's not to say that you or I or Lewis or Chaz or any writer can't discern and decipher and see all of these things and and be able to uh, you know elaborate on them right. you know and do a good job of writing about it. It's just that um, because we don't have those experiences in the championship level, it, it's it's a little bit harder to. Um, you know, you just sort of need to have that cachet. I think. I think it's harder to
1: swallow, but it doesn't.
2: I agree. I'm not un- saying it's not totally it. true. Yeah. I'm just saying that that wouldn't it be neat if they could get somebody that, and I think Barton Lynch is kind of, but he, but they're all, see, they're all in the game though. That's the and problem. they're all
1: sponsored. That's what I mean. By, they're all, yeah, they're all by involved. Hurley. Yeah, commenting Hurley events. So yeah. I disagree. I think that. The, qual- the skill set... Well, I'm of-
2: just wondering why they pulled it. Like, if it was written by Rabbit Bartholomew, well, maybe it wouldn't have the same spark and attitude. But I think if it did, would they have pulled it?
1: Yeah, I think the and ASP... who greenlighted it? And, that, and who got I, fired for greenlighting it? I honestly said bravo to the ASP when I saw that they did this because I was like... Who's the
2: guy? Dave Proden, right? He's the North American sort of uh, oh, okay. PR guy. I'm wondering if he's
1: the editorial all, guy. All I or... know is I said bravo to them because, wow, they're really taking a bold move. They're going to do something meaningful with this. This has meaning to me. And then when they backpedaled it, I was like... Oh I my god. If they gosh. got like
2: a slander or a libel threat or something like that, you know, yeah, maybe one like Alejo Muniz's lawyer called him and said, "Hey man, take that down right now, or I'm going to yeah. sue you." Yeah, could have been that because I like, can't imagine that it got to publishing, that it got all the way to being posted online yeah. without everyone combing through it really kind of you know thoroughly and going, "Look, we know Lewis is a spark plug, but this is good. We've got to run with it.
1: Are we all behind this? Yeah. Yes, we are. Let's do it." It almost sounds like a lawyer must have called or something. Yeah. Well, um, if we if anybody has insight into this, please get a hold of us. I would love to know more. Um, my email address is hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com or social media at surfsplendor. Um, but I also think if anybody has maybe screenshots of it or knows, you know, send that stuff to us too. I'm
2: sure. I bet if you go to the guys at the surfer magazine forum are pretty um,
1: brutal. Okay.
2: I'm sure those guys get to the
1: bottom of this. dude. I'm sure
2: they've got screenshots of it somewhere or, you know, I'm who knows you know, I'm sure Lewis has probably sent it to somebody and they have it. Yeah. It's going to get anonymously posted
1: somewhere. Yeah. Um, we got to stay on track because I know yeah. you got appointments. Yeah. Um What do you, I've got? A couple more things, um, but what do you do? You want to prioritize? Um, let's see.
2: Oh, well, I've got must. I've got a must-watch TV, and I've got a uh, best song
1: ever. Well, that'll close us out. But we okay. still got time. Let's that's, go.
2: That's all. I. That's okay. all on my thing. So okay. I'll run with what you got. Well,
1: Kelly won the Vulcan Pipe Pro. Right. Which he did it in astounding form. Yes. Dominating form. We didn't talk about this yet. We talked about the event, but it. I think they had one more day to run oh, okay, yeah. when we last had our show, so he won, and it was just what we don't, we can't, you can't say enough you can't about. Say it. You just
2: can't say enough. All you, it was just if you saw it, you, you're you're in awe, and that doesn't even do you know. I it's almost like I'm I'm I, I'm speechless. Okay, I'm
1: completely speechless. That's how dominating his performance was. And you've all seen it. You've seen the imagery, and so we don't need to beat that to death. But. I'm going to pick a direction that I do want to talk about that maybe you can provide insight on which is Kelly Slater's bat tail. Have you seen the boards he was riding? Yeah. So I I kind of had awareness of the bat tail design peripherally like I've never ridden one I probably haven't even seen one yeah. in real life but I knew it existed. Um and then Kelly started posting photos on Instagram about the bat tail. And uh, he made a quiver of boards and then won contests on them at Pipeline and stuff. And he, uh, he commented on it a lot. I think he posted multiple Instagrams. I did some research and uh, read something that Rusty Preissendorfer wrote about him. He said that he's been working with them in the early 80s. I don't think consistently since then, but he worked with them in the 80s. And he said that they're all the rage for quads. Uh, The area removed and the little corners add some bite and help give the boards without a rear fin in the middle um, a little bit of extra drive. So you get the quad speed, but you get the drive out of that tail shape. Do you have any insight into the design or what the benefits and pros and cons are? Yeah.
2: First, um, you know, Rusty knows more than I do. And quite frankly, Kelly probably does too. Oh, for sure. Um, But I do know that historically, look, the Bat-tail has been around for a long, long time. I know Jeff Alexander in Del Mar in the late 70s was making them. Um, and they've, you know, come, you know, as far as Kelly using it, um, you know, I, I just think it's a good thing for a surfboard designer, for surfers in general. When Kelly goes a certain yes. way, it's it's important. And, um, yeah, I think that, as I recall, he was talking about it on the, po- on the uh, webcast, and the extra rail gives him a little bit of, of a little wider tail, but allowing him to have the pin, the rounded pin as well, so he's got that pulled in feeling, but with width for speed.
1: So, what does that do on the wave? Can you explain the effect? Well, width is going to give you more planing
2: area, so okay. you're going to be able to turn like a a, a quicker arc. Okay, and the pulled in the pulled in round pin part of it just lets you ride higher on the wave face. So it's it's sort of like can I get the best of both worlds? Generally speaking, I've found that that y- you know it's hard to get the best of both worlds with surfboard design. You know, we're always trying to find the fine middle ground. You know, like I want a, I want a tri-fin that surfs like a quad, so I'm going to make this. But it's generally, look, you should, my feeling is, personally, I'm either going to ride a tri-fin or I'm going to ride a fish. And to try to get something in the middle, I lose the best of both boards.
1: Yeah, well, then you end up with a quiver of 20 boards for different days of the week and different surf spots. <laughs> yeah. I I think I think also it's important to keep in mind with board design is that no one design element exists in isolation. You know what I mean? There's bottom contours involved to even get it to that point in the tail and fins set up and all these other things. I'm looking at Kelly's right now on Instagram and it reminds
2: me a lot of, um, Will Jobson does a lot of this on his Twinsers. It looks like a Will Jobson tail. Okay. Um, I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, what's interesting about Kelly's bat tail, to explain to to the listeners maybe who haven't seen it, the other bat tails that I was looking at online let's call them traditional
2: clean this guy's shaping bay Is it things
1: spotless that's Al Merrick obviously I don't know I'm, if it's I'm just joking. joking it's not Al Merrick <laughs> I know I'm joking he's um, got his name on it though so but traditional bat tails are different than what Kelly Slater actually is yeah, writing yeah so the, the traditional bat tail for the listeners there's two outside points like a swallow tail and then It kind of um, curves in towards the center stringer from there into like two half moons, basically, until uh, they meet where the center stringer forms kind of a third point. So it's like a almost like a, a W shape, not Kelly's. I'm talking about traditional ones. Yeah. Kelly's, on the other hand, that W shape is inverted. So the. It's there's the two outside points of the swallow tail and there's a central point that they meet in. But to get there, they go down diagonally and then curve upward to create basically a rounded pin in the middle. Yeah. So that rounded pin in the middle with the two swallows on the outside, whereas traditional bat tails, it's um, rounded inward. There's no sharp V at the bottom of the W. It's a rounded W. So how is Kelly's different or performed differently than the traditional bat tail is the question.
2: Uh, you know, I, I that's, it's, it's kind of hard to convey that over an audio. Um, you know, I think that the traditional more W style, um, bat tail is going to give you a little bit more bite because you've got almost three points. You right. do have three points. Right. And so, um, you know, this is probably just not going to have quite as much bite and have a little bit more flow in the top of the turn, like through the turn, mm-hmm. more, you know, like, uh, how would I say that? Just, just, it wants to come through the turn a little bit better,
1: you know? Yeah. E- easier, Does smoother. Does anybody know? I mean, if it's a new tail design, I've never even seen that. He's calling it a bat tail, but it's not really traditional bat tail, you know? Yeah. It's like a rounded bat tail. With, with little <laughs> wings on the side too but for yeah, cool little board. bumps. It's a cool board. Anyways, um, I noticed in that event, Adriano was riding Channel Islands boards, which he made the final of the pipe, Vulcan Pipe Pro. Yeah. And then he just won the Australian Open of surfing, yeah. also riding Channel Islands boards. Yeah. So um, I don't know if that's the reason why he's been doing well, but that's worth noting, you know?
2: Well, I mean, Adriano's been doing well forever. I'm sure the change to Channel Islands has helped him a lot. Um, there's no denying that Channel Islands makes incredible surfboards. But there are a lot of incredible surfboards. They just have the marketing power and, and the manpower. And they've dedicated themselves to you know, stocking the, the high-level, high-end professional surfer with their equipment. And right. they've done a great job. And my hat's off to Channel Islands for doing
1: it. You totally. Know? And, um, for doing incredible r and Adriano,
2: I, I think Adri- Adriano's on both my fantasy teams. I see him... Doing big things. He's been on tour for a long time. You Let's know, like talk six years
1: it. or so. Let's talk about Adriano, dude. I mean, look,
2: I, I'm the last guy to want to put a Brazilian in, and pimp a Brazilian, basically. Not that I'm anti-Brazilian, but I'm pro-U.S. North American surfer. I want Brett Simpson to win, you know? And, you know, I want the North American... I want Kelly Slater. Let's be blunt, right? Um... You know, I want the Hob goods.
1: Well, let me ask you this. If it was uh, Adriano versus Miguel Pupo in a heat, who would you be rooting well, for? Well, it all depends. Oh, who would I be rooting yeah, for? Yeah, who do you want to see win in that exchange?
2: I guess Adriano, but oh, I can really? see what you mean. Like, I mean, if I didn't have him on my team, I might want Miguel Pupo. Right.
1: I um, think Adriano, to me, is my least favorite like one of my least favorite surfers. He's pretty – he, I'm not saying he's my favorite surfer. I just think that he's competitively primed to have he a is. big
2: season. That's all I'm saying. I
1: agree. So let me present I – I don't want my son to surf like him. No. Let me present a scenario to you because I spent a lot of time thinking about this because he made the final of the Australian Open with Julian. And I love Julian. And he's so appealing to the eye, you know. And I'm like, Adriano, I can't believe he even made the final. He deserved to make the final. He was ripping. You know, it's undeniable. You he's watch. Still, him. He's just a little bit formulaic and robotic, and and just a little square. Here's my question, though. When you break down his surfing, I should love him. You know, like he he has does incredible airs. He does incredible turns. He does most importantly incredible bottom turns. He's got a rags to riches story. He's got grit, determination, like power, work, workhorse kind of mentality. I should love Adriano. Why do I why don't I? And why doesn't anybody? He's, if you read the forms, like, people
2: hate him. He's Michelle Beres without the
1: Polynesia, you know? That's But <laughs> I don't, but I like Michelle Berez, you know, like I tried, got the Polynesia. Maybe. I tried to break it down and the only criticism I can find with I think the, let me t- I, yeah I'll nail I'll try to nail it it's it. I think the
2: thing with Adriano is you get the sense that he's doesn't he's surfing to become the world champion and he's, he's since day one his surfing is um, it lacks a little bit of um, himself it's almost too sportsmanlike it doesn't mm. have any um, Love for the
1: performance art of it all. That's a good way of articulating it. I hadn't thought of that before. Um, I'm trying to think if if there's any other examples of guys like that. Because when you started that by saying he's doing it for the win, well, same could be said for Kelly. But Kelly has a little bit more of that performance art, a lot more of that performance art in his surfing. So I'm going to have to let that one percolate for a little bit. But I, I, think I think that's right. the
2: problem with a lot of the guys on tour is that they're just a little formulaic and they don't look like they're really expressing themselves. They look like they're out there for points. Yeah. And they're busting airs for points and they're busting airs for... It's a great Bruce assessment. Irons busts airs because it's fun. Yeah, that's you know? a great assessment. And, and, that's the, and you can see that in,
1: in people's style. Yeah, well, if you were to think those two guys are in the final, Julian and Adriano, if they both put out web edits of them free surfing online at the same day how many people are going to click Adrianos versus Julian's? You know what I mean? Nobody. Nobody wants to watch him surf. But when you watch him in the heat, he deserves to win. And he beat Julian soundly in the final. Um, The only criticism that I could think of prior to you saying that, and this might actually relate to what you said, is that he does big maneuvers, but his Fault is in the transitions between maneuvers, you know, like getting in from one turn to the next is just either Huntington hop or ticky tacky or whatever, where, and it's, it's not appealing to the eye. Whereas you could take a photo of Rob Machado at any part on the wave and it could make a cover shot, whether he's gliding, trimming, bottom turning, whatever. And I think Julian, he starts a wave and by the time he ends the wave, it was almost one maneuver from... Get up to finish, where it's just rail to rail to rail to rail, one motion, you know, in transitions. Yeah, I talked so,
2: to a guy, or excuse me, I saw an interview with a guy, um, a world-renowned drummer, um, the Neil Pert, the drummer for Rush. He's basically... Known as the greatest drummer
1: ever, right? Oh, well, what does that say about the Almond Brothers, Scott? <laughs> well, Did you just throw the Almond Brothers under the bus? I'm just saying that it's generally accepted yes. that he's
2: one of the best, if not the best, you know, Sands, John Bonham, uh, drummer ever. Okay, and um, he spoke about the space and the time between the drum beats as being oh. the most important times, not the drum beat itself but the pauses and the space and the time in between those. And I think that's what you're speaking about, is those, those moments between the maneuvers where uh, they're, they're almost as important or they're as crucial to the final outcome as the maneuver itself.
1: That's excellent. I really, I've never drawn that comparison, but I'm very well aware of that, that what you're talking about. Do you know what the most important part of comedy is? Are you gonna... Timing.
2: <laughs> Timing. Yeah. You know, what I heard so, today. Same thing, that, right? I heard today that uh, time and space. Time exists so that everything doesn't happen to you at once, and space exists so it doesn't all hit you at once.
1: Again, got to let that one percolate uh, yeah, too. I don't know. No, I mean, I can't take credit for that. So, can I tell you one to. thing though about Adriano's um, performance that inspired me? Yeah. Okay relates to what you were talking about your personal we're surfing. talking about
2: the horrible surf at manly correct right? the correct U, the hurley u.s open of surfing australia or australian open at manly the waves were disgusting the they were, waves were it was
1: horrible it's the equivalent event literally the same event as, as US our open. u.s yeah. open of surfing in huntington and the yeah. waves are similar so adriano inspired me to start surfing waves to the bitter end um and I am so sorry about that. No, but but <laughs> I mean, let me let me talk you through that it. That is really sad. Often, <laughs> it's most sad. often, I'll kick out of a wave after the majority of the power is gone. You know, like one turn, two turns, I'm like ah, I'm out of here. I don't want to connect this thing to the inside. Um, and I watched Adriano milk a couple waves through and actually get more out of them by the end section than I ever anticipated even being on that wave, you know? And um, my reasons for kicking out of a wave oftentimes are just to save me energy from paddling out a further distance, um, or I don't want to work in the slower parts of the wave to, like, get through the slow section, you know? But it dawned on me, Of how much of a wuss I'm becoming, you know, in relation to our earlier conversation. No, No. well, hear me out. My whole goal for being out there is to ride a wave. I find myself on a wave and I start negotiating what parts are worth riding and what parts aren't. When really all I'm gonna do is go back out there and sit longer. Why not freaking enjoy the experience to the end, you know? And so, yesterday, I thought of Adriano and I had a wave and it was kind of a running right, like down the line. Couple little floats, finished the end section and it was whitewash and I had a lot of momentum that I would normally use to just kick over the whitewash with and get out. And I was like, I foam climbed it, came down, foam climbed it again, came down. It's all whitewash at this point. Rebound, bank off the left. And I was like, that was super fun. It was challenging to do, these foam climbs, but it was super fun. I have to paddle twice the distance now to get out the back, but who cares? I rode the wave twice the distance. Like, I just really enjoyed it, you know? And it took more energy, but that's why I am here in the first place, you know? So hats off to Adriano for showing me how to surf like a 1998 QS competitor. All right. (laughs) Backhanded compliment of the year. Fair enough. Um, Duke Duke and Coop?
2: Um, You know, I don't have a... Kook or Duke. I have a must-watch TV and I've, I have a
1: best song ever. I've got a Duke and a Kook, real quick. Yeah. My Duke of the Week is Todd Chesser. Oh, good one. Do you know why? No. Because yesterday would have been his 47th birthday. Yes. And um, for those who aren't don't remember, Todd Chesser passed away 17 years ago surfing an outer reef in, on the North Shore, known as Alligators, which is actually where Kurt Passamore died this past winter right. and he was 28 when he died um he survived by his mom Jeannie, who you may have seen during the vulcan pipe pro this year she gave out the todd chesser award to mason ho for his courage and um you know big wave prowess throughout the event so todd chesser is my duke simply because his surfing was beautiful you know power arcs big waves um Everything that has been written about him confirms that he was pure Aloha, positive energy, and had an infectious sense of humor. He also served as the big brother to the momentum generation of Kelly Slater, Shane Dorian, Ross Williams, Kalani Robb, all those guys. Um, and, and really, all those guys have influenced our lives in immeasurable ways. You know, Where would we be without those guys? And Todd Chesser was their big brother. He was a couple years older than them. And their big brother when they came to visit the North Shore because that was his home. So happy birthday, happy 47th birthday to Todd Chesser. And that is why he is my Duke of the Week. Good one.
2: Very good. Very good.
1: Um, Real quickly, kook of the week. The Barneys who sent me hate mail regarding the Lunata Bay controversy. Oh, no. (laughs) Did you get some grief? I got a lot of positivity and I got some grief. Yeah. And um, I just have to say that their main point was that Chris Taloa, yeah. whom I interviewed about Lunata Bay, they were saying he's a hypocrite and that he's been involved in territorial violence in the past. Yeah. That may be true, but it's not relevant to the fact... Two wrongs um, don't make a right. Oh, dude, half a, of, half a century of territorial violence exists at Lunata Bay, regardless of whether Chris is protesting it or not. Yeah. Um, the victims of the violence deserve a voice... And we don't need to thwart, or we need to thwart any further incidents. Um, if Chris is a reformed perpetrator who is leading the charge to right the wrong, then so be it, you know? Maybe that's part of his reparations for doing wrong in the past. Uh, it's not. That's not really the focus of what we were doing. We're trying to shine a light on this travesty that's happening. So anyone who does anything... Um, to perpetuate the violence or prevent the peaceful protest of the movement taking place at Lunata Bay is missing the entire purpose of the act of surfing. And um, you're entitled to your opinion, of course, but it's discriminatory, it's elitist, and it's wrong. And I would say that with 100% certainty in my mind, kind of if those people live to see old age, they will reflect on this time in their life they will feel shame and sorrow for the amount of negative energy that they wasted on defending this perceived possession. And you will understand why I have labeled you the kook of the week. Wow, <laughs> very well done, yeah.
2: I would agree that um, it's just sort of sad that all that energy goes to such uh negative end, you know, it's just... It's just, it's just, it seems to be a waste. But what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I'm not gonna let them live rent free in my head. They can no. They want to be haters. They can be haters. I've got, um, you know, we've got way more positive stuff we can do uh, with our energy. So. What's your must see moment? Uh, Good question. Let me see. What
1: is my must see moment? I have it right here. Bear with me. Well, I'll give you mine. Yeah. My must see moment is the most horrific YouTube wipeout. I'm sorry, uh, GoPro wipeout uh-huh. that exists. Did you see this? I think I have. Which one is it's this? It's a girl who has the camera mounted to the front of her board. She's oh, paddling into oh, a wave. I
2: didn't watch this on purpose because I hate watching people I get won't hurt. show you then. Yeah, I don't want to see it. Okay. I, I purposely didn't watch it because I saw the comments on it and how horrible it was and did she
1: live and all this. She these. lived. But. It's a must-see moment that I won't force you to watch, yeah. but I'm going to post it on yeah, selfsplendorpodcast.com. Yeah. Let me explain it. Yes. Girl has the GoPro mounted to the nose of her board. She's in Sri Lanka paddling into a wave. She's obviously a beginner. The wave's coming. There's already somebody on the peak traveling on the wave who's also a beginner on a longboard. She takes one glance over her left shoulder, and he's coming directly at her. The full force of the nose of the... Eight to 10 foot longboard hits her in the orbital socket. Oh
2: my God. Like,
1: and just ha- KOs her. Oh my like, God. full speed, like whiplashes her neck.
2: Oh no. She
1: looks unconscious. I, I mean, honestly, those comments about how did she survive this are legitimate. Thankfully, I found the full version of it. And, um, the guy who posted it, I guess, was her husband or boyfriend or whatever, and he said she's made a full recovery. She's totally fine. But it, the thing hit her in the eye, but she's bleeding from the mouth. Oh, my like, God. Like, it's insane. Yeah. But you got to check it out. For those who have morbid curiosity, and I mean, you've probably already seen it. It's been out there, but uh, we will
2: have the link. That's a must-see moment, huh? It's insane. Well, my must-see moment, must-watch TV... Is Matt Bromley's Oakley Wave of the Winter People's Choice winner oh, for January? It. Yeah, loved it's it. on Surfline. They present this with Oakley Wave of the Winter People's Choice. People voted for this in January, and Matt Bromley, a South African guy, gets this incredible wave at pipe, and it's hard to believe he comes out of it. Yeah. They presented him with a thousand dollars. What's so neat about it, besides what a great ride it is, and it is is the short interview that they did with him afterwards where he describes the ride and then goes on to to tell you that he's given the money to his friend's wife who's got some major brain cancer or something. So it leaves you with a really good feeling about uh, human beings and surfers in general. It's sort of the exact opposite of the Lunata Bay thing where you just feel good about humanity and Um, So my hat's off to Oakley and to Surfline and, of course, to Matt
1: Bromley as well. What I was struck by with that was that Matt Bromley isn't a name that everybody knows. And the fact that he's from South Africa indicates that he's probably not getting paid as well as a kid from Orange County, California is getting paid. But he's in Hawaii. He ends up getting the best wave of that month at Pipeline, which is a feat in and of itself. And you got the feeling that he could probably use the 1000 bucks and... The friend whom he said he's giving it to is a name that I know from surfing. I can't recall it now, but it was a surfer, kind of a a lower-level pro surfer, came out of South Africa five or ten years ago, who is well-respected, ripped, and um, has since been married. And I guess his wife has contracted this brain cancer. And so, wow, what what an amazing move on Matt's part.
2: Yeah, yeah so super cool check that out we'll put that up on that'll be on com. I think yeah and it's on Surfline right now by the way and we'll put it on um, downthelineradio.com as well yeah okay so here's the best song ever let's hear it there's no way you can argue with this can't wait The words of the song are great. Ooh, is it <laughs> this is the Almond brothers man of course it is <laughs> that's must be dickie betts singing right there and uh dickie betts and warren hayes
1: and it's a great song back where it all begins for those who are listening right now you can't see this on the web but Scott just shed multiple tears I did yeah. yeah Do you have a sentimental attachment to this track or what? No, I, I have an eye
2: uh, Oh, okay i got a little eye
1: infection Oh, okay, yeah. sure Yeah anyway. All right
2: Well, that's my best song ever Allman Brothers Band Back Where It All Begins um, I've been playing a lot of guitar lately I've been finding a lot of uh, listen to uh, like here, here you go Listen to this This is a live set. They're playing live somewhere. Alright, I won't bore you. I know you're look at you. You're, you're checking like, my watch. You're like, dude, time to go. I think I gotta get out of here.
1: I got a hair appointment. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta get going too. I'm just joking.
2: Alright, well, um look, you can shoot me an email, surftalksandiego at gmail.com. Surftalksandiego at gmail.com to get a hold of Scott. Down the line radio.com is the website. And of course, uh, I've got the big boardroom surfboard show, consumer trade show for the core of surf, Del Mar Fairgrounds, May 17th and 18th. If you get a chance and you're not in Southern California, fly out for this. We're going to be honoring Ben Ipa. It's it's, uh, basically the entire surfboard industry gets together and it's
1: a lot of fun. I'm going to learn about bat tails while I'm there yes yes you sweet. are sweet yeah. so anyways i'm david scales surf splendor Podcast.com. we do um a lot of uh profile pieces on there last week we just released an episode with filmmaking and ph- photography legend uh tony roberts and so that's been well received thanks for the feedback on that he's a great surfer too tony. oh my gosh dude he yeah. rips yeah, he's really good he rides like these under five foot shortboards with like moon tails like yeah, he's, really he's weird stuff surfer, but yeah, yeah incredible So anyways, um, check that episode out and, um, on social media, you can find us at Surf Splendor. Thank you for listening and for sharing all this stuff. The shows are growing, so that's great.
2: Yeah. Until next time, adios and aloha.
1: Thanks for listening to today's show. Thank you, Scott, for co-hosting and for everybody listening in case you didn't catch it, you can find us on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. Also, please engage on social media, Instagram, Twitter. It's at surfsplendor or facebook.com forward slash surfsplendor. Those numbers have grown, so good to see you all, new fans there. Um, thanks, as always, for listening. If you'd like to help grow the show, the best thing that you could do is is share it with a friend. So please do that. It's your small investment in the future of the show. The more people who are listening, the more shows we will be able to produce. And also, if you listen in iTunes, please make sure to rate the show and leave a comment. That helps others to find the show and learn about it before they commit to downloading an hour-long episode. Same goes on Stitcher or wherever you listen. I believe that is all. We will be back next week. This is David Scales for Surf Splendor saying mahalo.